We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. To 2 Kings chapter 5. As tonight we're going to see the healing of a leper, and then we're going to see uh, the making of a leper. We read here in verse 1. It says, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. This verse, uh, in looking at it, it definitely paints a positive portrait of the commander of Syria's army. He was a man, it says right here, uh, by the name of Naaman. His name means pleasantness. And here he's, he's, a, he's a great man, an honorable man in the eyes of his master. He's called a mighty man of valor, which speaks of his huge heart. He had a heart of heroic courage. We read here in verse 1 something interesting. Notice it says right here, By him the Lord had given victory to Syria. And so there's something in this guy that's definitely different. You know, This guy was you know, kind of like the guy that we read over in the book of Acts, uh, this Gentile by the name of Cornelius. You know, sometimes we come across people who might not be believers in God's gracious gospel, but in a general sense, they're honorable and they fear God. And here we see something going on in this guy, Naaman. And so, you know, this guy Cornelius reminds me of him. Remember in the book of Acts chapter 10, it says that there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. And so he wasn't a Christian, but he was a God-fearer. He used to give charitable uh, donations, and, and there was something about him that was real good. And so what ended up happening, if you guys remember the story, is God came and God saved him. God reached out to Cornelius. And we're going to see kind of the same thing here with Naaman. We have two Gentiles who seem to sincere in a general sense and in a spiritual sense. And so what we find is God goes looking for them. God reaches out to them in more than just a general sense. We see it's a special sense. And this guy Naaman right here in verse 1, he had everything going for him with the exception of two uh, ginormous things. <laughs> number one, he needed the Lord. And number two, he was a leper. He was a leper. And that's a, that's a really, really big thing. Those are two big things. The Jewish scholar Edersheim, he says the disease of leprosy generally begins with pain in certain areas of the body. And then when numbness follows, and then soon the skin in such spots loses its color, it gets to be thick and glossy and scaly, and then as the sickness progresses, the thickened spots become dirty sores and ulcers, due to the poor blood supply. Then the skin, especially around the eyes and ears, begins to bunch with deep furrows between the swellings so that the face of the afflicted individual begins to resemble that of an animal. Fingers drop off or are absorbed. Toes are affected similarly. The throat becomes hoarse and 
You can not only see and feel and smell the leper, but you can hear his rasping voice. And if you stay with him for some time, you can imagine the taste in your mouth because you're breathing in the odor. I read one uh, paper that said ancient leprosy began as small red spots on the skin. And before too long, the spots got bigger and they start to turn white with a sort of shiny or scaly appearance. And pretty soon the spots spread over the whole body and hair begins to fall out. First from the head, then the eyebrows, and then things got worse. Fingernails, toenails began to loose. They start to rot, eventually fall off. Then the joints of the fingers and toes begin to rot, and they fall off piece by piece. Gums begin to shrink. They can't hold the teeth anymore. They're lost. Leprosy keeps eating away at your face until literally the nose and even the eyes rot and the victim simply wastes away until they die. And so here's this guy Naaman, and it's an ugly thing. He needs the Lord. He has leprosy. It's probably in its early stages. And in those days, it was a hideous, hideous disease. He was helpless, and he was hopeless. You know, what we find in the Bible is this, you guys. That leprosy is a picture of sin. It's a vivid picture of sin and the spiritual defilement of it. You know, sin is also ugly and loathsome and incurable and contaminating. And it spreads from men and makes them outcasts. You know, we read the instructions in Leviticus 13 and how they are to ostracize the individual. And so we have this guy Naaman here. He seems like an honorable man, a good man. God's even giving victories through him. But he needs the Lord. He's got leprosy, and he's in a really tough spot. And so what ends up happening? We read in verse 2. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will make a letter, send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing, um, about about $1.2 million in today's value. And, and then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read a letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. And so the Lord here, you know, you guys, I've told you many times that in the Old Testament, God would speak to us through lives. And he gives us kind of like pictures. In the New Testament, we have more of a specific message. and We have letters that are written. But we learn lessons from these lives. And you kind of got to dive in to it. And we're going to learn a real big lesson today about sin, about salvation, about leprosy, and about the one God who can heal us and help us. We're going to learn a lesson today that if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, maybe you're going through things in your life, 
Because that's what happens when you don't walk with the Lord. And you know, you go through, you get hit hard, you're wondering, how am I going to make it? I don't even want to make it anymore. And then you realize that there is a God who loves you. There is a God who understands your predicament, your situation, and He wants to rescue you. He wants to help you. He wants to set you free. He wants to comfort your heart. And then what you find is that God will heal you, us, of our leprosy. Maybe there's some today and you don't know the Lord, and if you were to die today, you wouldn't go to heaven. And God says, listen, I won't settle for that. I love you. And what ends up happening is God wants to give you heaven today. And so there are some that they need to be healed of leprosy, but here's something else, and we're going to see it in our study today. There are some that might be headed for leprosy. You know, and I, I would say there's probably not a lot of you because here on Thursday night, most people that come on Thursdays, they're really saved and they're really in love with the Lord. You know, but um, I, even for myself, and I'm speaking in all honesty, I have to be careful. I can't play with sin. I can't, you know, do whatever I want to do and think that God will not strike me. If you're here today and you need salvation, Jesus is here to save you. If we're here today and we're playing with sin, Jesus is here to warn you. And we're going to see that in our study today. Very important. You know, we begin, first of all, dealing with this guy Naaman, and he has leprosy. And, uh, you know, what ends up happening is this young Jewish girl, God is so good, I uh, was really excited about this study today because um, it's such a heavy lesson. Isn't it so cool to know that sometimes when you experience opposition, you're doing something right? I don't know. I just, I thank God for that sometimes. Um, you know, God will do a work in your life. I just want you to know that, and I want to reiterate that today. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be the day that you know how much He loves you, and that you would know that He can heal you from your helpless, hopeless situation with everyone else it's impossible but not with the lord because he loves you so much and he sent his son jesus christ to die for you on that cross and you know uh here naaman is a picture of that you know what ends up happening is this jewish girl um she was stripped away from her homeland by ruthless leaders you know and uh i mean you think about that more than likely she was a young girl that was raised in a godly home she believed in God, the living God, and she knew all about Elisha, the prophet. So now she's serving as a slave in Syria. And what we find is that God will take, she's kind of like what you would call an unwilling missionary. God will take that young Jewish girl and God will use her to change history. God will use this young Jewish slave girl to impact the nations of Syria and the nations of Israel and even to impact us tonight. You know, she hears that, you know, this guy has leprosy. And so, you know, what ends up happening? One thing leads to another. She tells her, you know, boss, and then that's Naaman's wife. And then she tells Naaman. Naaman tells the king, and then the king writes a letter. And he sends him to Israel. And basically, he commands the king of Israel to heal Naaman of leprosy. And so, after the king of Israel reads the letter... He then uh, tears his clothes. Think about that. He tears his clothes. And you know, that's a big thing. That would be really big news if you think about it. 
We read here in verse 8, So it was when Elisha the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. You know, and that's a big story. You turn on the news, what's the top story? The king tore his clothes today. Imagine if you turn on the news and, you know, the top story is Obama tore his clothes today. You know, that would be pretty, I think he needs to tear his clothes, to be honest with you. We need, yeah, we need God to do work in this country, but, you know, he tears his clothes. Elisha founds out, and, and he founds out why, and uh, who knows, you know, maybe he heard this whole story, you know, you know and from someone through the grace vine. So he sends a message, and he asks, why did you tear your clothes? It's so sad that a young Jewish slave all the way over there in Syria was more sensitive to God than the, the king of Israel right here in the capital of Samaria, the same place I am. And so Elisha just says, you know what, send Naaman to me, then they're, they're going to know that there is a prophet in Israel. And so what we find here, notice it says in verse 9, it says, And then Naaman went with the horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Elisha simply says, send Naaman to me, then they'll know there's a prophet in Israel. And so Naaman goes to Elisha with his horses and chariots. I don't know if you guys can visualize that. It must have been a pretty awesome entourage, right? With $1.2 million of gold and silver and 10 changes of clothing. And, and so when he arrives there at Elisha's house, you know, he probably announces his arrival Maybe someone goes before him and says, the great Naaman, commander of the king of Syria, has arrived. And who knows, maybe they're blowing the trumpets. I don't know, you know. And, and normally, I mean, the typical protocol would be invite him in, kill the fatted calf, feed and honor the entourage. But Elisha doesn't even come out. Think about that. You know, uh, he, he simply sends a messenger to him, one of his guys, who says, go and, and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. That's all you got to do. And so what ends up happening was it makes, it makes Naaman angry. It infuriates him, and he gets upset, and uh, he takes off. You know, he, it says, was picturing Elisha coming out to him, you know, maybe floating to him, I don't know, making a stand right there, calling on the name of the Lord and waving his, I don't know, his wand, his hand, and and that in that split second, the leprosy would be gone. And this whole hope of healing wasn't being done his way and in his time, easily and instantly. Naaman even gets upset over the fact that the Syrian rivers were better than the Jordan rivers. The waters of Syria were superior to the waters of Israel. And so now he's thinking, you know, I'm going to go my own way. And with that in his mind and his heart, he's that close He's that close of not getting healed. 
You know, and for me, you guys, I think we all need healing. I think we all always need God's touch. You know, as the days go on and we, we struggle with the new trials for today, the new trials for the season of life, God says, I, I want to do something in you. I, 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 I will never stop working on you. I will never stop empowering you. I will never, ever stop, you know, you know I guess you could say healing you from all the hurts and all the way that we get beat up in life. And, you know, God says, this is all you got to do. You know, and, and he'll tell you details. And sometimes, you know, I always encourage you guys, get in the word, get in prayer, fast, seek the Lord, believe in him, stand on his promises. You know, we go through trials and what is the promise for God? God says, I'll provide for you. I'll provide for you. I will always be there with you. I will carry you through whatever it is. And a lot of times, you know what? We're just like, man, it's not done my way. It's not easy. It's not instant. You know, it's not typical. It's a little bit, you know, abnormal. And, and we walk away. And that's what ends up happening here. Naaman is arriving as a leper and he's leaving as a leper. And if I could just say this, even about tonight, you arrive, whatever your case is, whatever your situation is, and a lot of times because there is no faith, there is no faith, we leave the same way we came. It's your fault, Manny, the message wasn't good enough. Okay, I understand that, you know. But we're not coming to a man. This is not a man's church, and this is not a man's night. This service is not about a man, any man. We come to God. And you lay hold of his garment, and you walk away whole. When you believe in the Lord and whatever it is he tells you to do, you wash in the Jordan seven times because he will tell you what to do in your situation. He's not going to be silent. He's not like that. If he says wait, then you wait. When the instructions are there for the day, whatever the case may be, he will tell you what to do. And then, and then we have to go and do. And when we do and when we believe, and the Lord's been really challenging me lately. Manny, you're going through this, and this is happening now. You're in a new predicament, a new situation. And I feel like after how many years as a Christian, maybe 20, I don't know, 22 years as a Christian, finally beginning to understand, not that I'm a health-wealth guy. I'm not like that. Name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. But God does honor faith. He does. I believe in him. And I need to encourage you guys to do the same. Don't be like Naaman. You know, who went as a leper, he's ready to leave as a leper. All because he didn't understand, you know, the way that God wanted to do it a certain way. And so as he's about to split, he's really upset about this whole thing. Look what we read in verse 13. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father... If the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. You know, Naaman's upset, he's about to leave, 
And it's so cool. Thank God for these servants. Thank God for that servant girl, that Jewish girl, who told him about the living God, who told him about Elisha, the man of God. And thank God for these servants who, when they're on their way, they're just like, hey, Naaman, can I just tell you something? If Elisha would have asked you to sacrifice like a 100,000 sacrifices, you probably would have done it, huh? I mean, if he told you to, to maybe give you know, the $1.2 million or whatever, you probably would have done it, huh? And so all he's saying is, is go swimming, man. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a hot day. Maybe we just go swimming. That's all he's saying. Something so simple, right? I mean, and, and right here... You know, it's so cool how they step in. Thank God for the, the godly counsel of spiritual people. Naaman does, and what ends up happening is Naaman is cleansed of his leprosy. Think about that. He's as white as snow. I was talking to one brother tonight, and he was telling me how he, he went to church for 10 years. 10 years he went to church, and he didn't know the Lord. Until one day, when it was real, and he responded to that altar call, and all of a sudden, life. It was the love. It was the Lord. You know, I was telling him about how the day that I gave my life to Christ, I you know, and I prayed the prayer many times growing up as a little kid. Don't tell anybody I told you this, but one time, even through TBN, you know, they led me to the Lord and they sent me a certificate and they said, "Now you're saved." <laughs> it wasn't real. I mean, I, I prayed it. One time I tried out for a Christian band. I wasn't even a believer. I wasn't a believer, right? Playing the guitar. And they said, hey, we're looking for a guitar player. And so I wasn't in a band at a time. I said, okay, I'll go, man. I'll check it out. I want to be in a band. And so they said, okay, you can't be in our band unless you're a Christian. And I said, okay, well, what do I need to do to be a Christian? They said, say this prayer. And I said the prayer. And they said, okay, you're in our band now because now you're a Christian. But I wasn't a Christian, <laughs> It wasn't real yet. It wasn't until that day when that, that miracle happened in my life. And you know, right here, this is what happened in, in the life of, of Naaman. It was just a miracle. It was life. It was salvation. It was cleansing. You know, and so maybe you're here and you've been going to church for, for a long time. But you might not know the Lord. And I can tell you, well, you should come to Christ because if you don't know Jesus, you're going to go to hell. It's true. But I tell you what, it's even more than that. When you give your life to the Lord, He gives you heaven, He gives you life, He gives you power. Maybe you're playing games with God. I don't know. But it's got to be real. We're going to see this picture. It's just so beautiful. It's an awesome picture of salvation. The whole thing is really how the Jews were supposed to tell the Gentiles about the Lord, their God, the living God, and that's what this Jewish girl does. You know how believers, no matter what their plight or flight or fight, even if it's their enemies, even the leaders of their enemies, if they're living in sin and dying with leprosy. You know, here's a Syrian commander, the king of the army. I don't want him to get saved. I don't want him to get leprosy. He's our enemy. Oh, yes, you do want him to get saved. Why? Because God's heart is in you. And when God's heart is in you, you want the whole wide world to get saved. I mean, you see this. It's a beautiful thing of what ends up happening, how believers are to share the Lord 
And how this prophet, Elisha, he's actually a picture of Jesus. The prophet with a capital P, the only one able to heal us of our leprosy. Remember last week we went over the fact that Elijah is a picture of John the Baptist. And he was a forerunner to who? To Christ. Elisha is a picture of Jesus. That's why last week he fed the people with just a little bit of food, just like Jesus did. And this week, that's why we see him this week. We're going to see healing a man of leprosy. And all this is a picture of salvation. Go to Israel. The rivers of Syria cannot cleanse you. Go to Israel. Go to this prophet, the prophet of God, Jesus. Go to Jesus and go to the Jordan River. And there you will be saved. And it's just an awesome picture of salvation. We know later in the New Testament, John the Baptist would come baptizing in the Jordan River. This is where he tells them to go, to go and wash in the Jordan River. We read in Matthew chapter 3, 5, and 6, it says, Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan, they went out to him. They were baptized by him in the Jordan confessing their sins. So John was there. Even Jesus got baptized in the Jordan. We read in Mark chapter 1, verse 9, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, right? Even today, many believers are, are baptized in the Jordan River. Uh, I think we have a picture of that. See, I'm right there in that. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> A lot of times they go and they get baptized over there. I don't know why they wear these white gowns, but it's pretty cool. But um, here you have, uh, every year, millions of Christians get baptized in the Jordan River. This one place right here, it's at the juncture of Galilee and Jordan. Every year, 600,000 people, Christians, get baptized in the Jordan you see, this whole thing we're reading about here, yeah, it, it is a historical account about Elisha and about what God did through Elisha, but it's also a historical account of what Jesus does in our life. You know, how we, how we were, were lepers, how we had this sin that could not be cured. We had this sin that was eating us up. And, you know, you, you go to the Lord and, and, you know, and he says, well, I want you to wash in the Jordan seven times. And you're like, well, what does that mean, you know, to wash in the Jordan seven times? Well, seven, as you know, is the number of completion and perfection. And what we find is that when a person comes to Christ, and this might be your problem today if you don't know Jesus. You've been going to church, you've been playing games, but you have no power. This might be your problem. That what we find is when a person who comes to Christ, he can't come with one-seventh of his heart. He can't come with just a part of his heart. Or even six-sevenths of his heart, you know, that's 85.7%. Lord, here I give 85.7% to you. Isn't that good enough? No. Seven times. You must wash seven times in the Jordan. And that means there has to be an absolute surrender, a total trust in Jesus. Because when that happens, then the power of God, he heals you. 
And he, and he makes your flesh, it says right there, like a, like a baby. He does a, an amazing work in your life. And this is exactly what Jesus wants. He wants you to do that. You know, Naaman is a picture for us this evening. More than likely, Naaman was in the early stages of leprosy because eventually, you know, leprosy would banish you from society. Uh, even today, I don't know if you guys knew this, uh, they have treatments for lepers, but there are still many leper uh, camps out there, leper colonies, for example, in Japan, China, India, they still have uh, over a thousand leper colonies. I mean, they're still out there. You know, and, and in, the, in the days of Jesus, no one would, would care. No one would dare come near you if you had leprosy. You know, because they believe that even, let's just say there's a leper walking right there and a, and a wind blows, and then you get some of that wind on you, then what ends up happening is you can be infected and their eyes would make you unclean. And so in those days, in Jesus' days, if you were a leper, you'd have to walk on the other side of the street if you ever did come in town with your, you know, hand covering your mouth but still yelling out as loud as you can, unclean, unclean. No one would come near you. That was what the leper was. And so no one would help. No one could help until Jesus. See? And that's why, um, let's go over to Mark chapter 1. I think we got to read this story. Look what it says in verse 40. It says, A leper came to him, came to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. You know, and it's so cool. You know, the, he really comes to the Lord. And this takes a lot of faith. You know, sometimes we feel like, you know what, I'm too bad. There's no way that God can help me or heal me. There's no hope for me. I've messed up too much. And God says, no, let me show you, like, for example, the leper. He came to the Lord. And he came to the Lord with, with worship. Notice he knelt down before him. And he came to the Lord with faith. And he said, Lord, I know this. I know this. That if you're willing, you can make me clean. Beautiful. I think that's beautiful for non-Christians. I think it might even be beautiful for Christians who today find yourself struggling whenever the situation is, go to Jesus, kneel down before him, and express your faith. God, if you're willing, I know you can do this. And so we read in verse 41, Then Jesus moved with compassion. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he just couldn't hold it in, you know. <laughs> he went out and just, he told everybody, he began to proclaim it freely and disped the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city. And so, you know, the Lord here, Elisha, and Jesus heals other lepers as well. But isn't it so cool in verse 41, the way that he healed him? He could have just spoke it. 
be gone, ugly leprosy. <laughs> he could have also told them, I'll go wash in the Jordan. But what did he do? He touched him, right? And that's so beautiful because, man, I bet you this guy hadn't been touched by a non-leper who knows how long. See, and that's what the Lord will do with us. You know, back in 2 Kings chapter 5, Naaman initially thought it was foolish. Naaman initially thought it was too easy. But Naaman eventually humbled himself and was therefore healed. He lost his pride, so he lost his leprosy. Really, really cool, right? And, you know, we need that as well, you guys. We really do. You know, the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verse 27, And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. And so I pray we would know, man, that the, the power of God to heal, to cleanse, to save, to change, whatever your situation might be, is present. But we have to have that heart. Eventually, you know, faith meets humility and God does a work. God is the one who cleanses our life. And so what happens in Second Kings chapter 5 in response to this, in verse 15 it says, And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came out and stood before him and he said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now therefore, please take a gift for your servant. But he said, Elisha said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And so Naaman said, Then if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth, for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods but to the Lord. Yet in this thing may the Lord pardon your servant when my master goes into the temple of Rimon to worship there and he leans on my hand and I bow down in the temple of Rimon. When I bow down in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. And then he said to him, go in peace. So he departed from him, but he didn't get too far. It says right there, a short, a short distance. You know, how many of you here, when you got saved, like God just empowered you, and all of a sudden, man, you're not, you're not doing drugs anymore, for some of us here. Or maybe you're not drinking anymore, all of a sudden, boom, he set you free from that. Or even this, you don't, you don't curse anymore. You know, it's like, whoa, that's got to be the Lord, man. You know? And, and many other things. You know, all of a sudden, man, just by, your, by God's grace, you're, you, have, you have power over sexual sin. Now you're able, by God's grace, to wait until you get married. I mean, you know, when you get saved, God heals you, God empowers you. I know for me, and I've shared this with you guys, you know, a few times, um, I know, I know, I know there's a personal God. I will never forget the day that I was so graciously saved. I didn't understand everything. But I, I didn't, I just, all I knew is that I was a sinner. I needed a Savior. And I went forward and I accepted the Lord. And He just came into my life. And He empowered me. And He took over. So it doesn't matter what happens to me tomorrow, next year, next week. I always have that anchor. 
I know there's a God. That's kind of what happened here with Naaman. He said, now I know there's no other God except for this God, what he's done for me. We need to have the same mentality. In response to his healing, Naaman returns with this heart of gratitude. Number one, knowing that this God is true. Number two, you know, when God touches your heart, giving. Here, let me let me give. I gotta donate. I gotta do something. I gotta, I gotta give my life to the Lord. Because I know He's the real God. And when the real God touches your heart, you you start giving to Him. That's what He wants to do, right? And then and then even more than that, there's a changing. Now there's going to be changes taking place. You know, I'm going to take some dirt home from here. In those days they would do that, you know, because they would always identify the gods of the various countries. Oh, he's the real God. The God of Israel is the real God. And so I'm going to go home and I'm going to worship him. But since I am the king's right-hand man, and when he talks about leaning on him, that's what he's talking about with the right-hand man. And when I go in there... Uh, most people believe that what this is talking about, he says, I'm going to go in that temple, but it's the Lord that I'm worshiping. And so, you know, changes are beginning to happen. And that's what happens in the life of someone who's healed of their leprosy. You know, you start, man, you start, you know, knowing God and giving to God and changing for God and you're grateful to God. I'm reminded of Luke chapter 17, 12 through 19, when the lepers were healed. And here's the interesting thing. Jesus healed 10 lepers, but only one came back to thank him. And I would venture to say that even in the church sometimes, God heals people, God saves people, but how many people really live a life of gratitude? Here, Naaman expresses that. Luke talks about that. I want to encourage you guys to do that. As Naaman comes back and he wants to you know, give financially, I love the worship of Naaman, but I also love the witness of Elisha. Notice there again in verse 16, Elisha said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him. And usually when they urge us, we're like, oh, okay, okay. We'll usually do that, huh? And, and so he's like, no, I don't want anything from you. Elisha was not a prophet for profit. He wasn't in it to benefit himself. He was in it to bless the Lord and to bless others. He wanted the witness to be strong, not wrong. He wasn't distracted by the deceitfulness of riches or the cares of this life. Even though he wasn't in a rough situation, he realized that he had enough. And he didn't need that. You know, and here's this girl, and she's a witness to Naaman. And now here's the prophet, and what God does through the prophet, that's a witness to Naaman. And you, want, you don't want anything to taint that witness. But look what we read next. In verse 20, it says, But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared Naaman the Syrian while not receiving from his hands what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. Notice those words, take something from him. It doesn't sound good, huh? 
So Gehazi pursued Naaman, and when Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master has sent me, saying, Indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. And so Naaman said, Please take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and handed them to two of his servants, and they carried them on ahead of him. When he came to the citadel, he took them from their hand and stored them away in the house. Then he let the men go, and they departed. And so, I know there's a lot here, you guys, but I pray that we would know how God heals. God heals us from leprosy. God heals us from whatever it is that has been infecting our life. God will heal us of the power of sin. But we also have to be careful because that same God that will heal us from the power of sin will also judge us if we choose not to live for him. And this strikes fear into my heart. You know, last night I was reading with my family the book of Lamentations. And we've been going through the prophets and Jeremiah. We're almost done reading the Bible together. But you know, I just I read Lamentations and I see how God judged his people. And it strikes fear into my heart. You know, sometimes we read something and we read Lamentations and we're like, Look, Lord, you get them, Lord. <laughs> You're going to get them, huh? You're going to judge them. And the Lord, I ne- you can't read your Bible like that. You can't. You have to read that and say, Lord, far be it from me. Keep me holy and on track and in love with you, lest I find myself not learning the lessons of Israel and Judah and Gehazi. What was wrong with Gehazi? Somewhere in his heart, deep, deep down in heart, this lust lingered. There was these weeds of wickedness. And it just came out. For him, he wanted to be rich. You know, and he wanted the things that money could buy. You know, he was a prophet for profit. And we see it today. I talked a little bit about Sunday. You know, guys and sometimes gals, they're in the ministry for money. The jet planes, the Bentleys, the mansions, the $500 suits, the Rolex watches, the gold rings. For them, it's a big business to believe. And all it takes is a few investors nowadays, and believe it or not, you, know, you get some money with a little bit, somebody with a little bit of money, and these investors with a vision hire these profits per profit in television. Next thing you know, they're making big butts. They're everywhere. They're not just here and there. And today it's getting worse. Back then, Gehazi, you know, was kind of rare. Now they're everywhere. And so, you know, God judges him. We're going to see that. And you know, for me, when I, when I read this story right here, we're going to see it just, it just breaks your heart. Verse 25. Now he went in and, and stood before his master, Elisha. And Elisha said to him, Where'd you go, Gehazi? And he said, I didn't go anywhere. Yeah, right, right. And he said to him, Didn't my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time? Is it time to receive money and to receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? Therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you 
and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence, leprous as white as snow. And, you know, we're not here saying, hey, you, 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 me, Lord, weed out all the wickedness. I don't want a trace of sin in my life. You know, because, man, the things that we see today manifest their ugly head. Eventually, they justify it. I like what Adrian Rogers said, because things are getting so bad. He said, sin that used to slink down back alleys now struts down Main Street. And that's what we see with all these guys who are prophets for profit. A lot of times, people are in it for themselves. You guys, we can't be in this for ourselves. It's not what I can gain, not how I can be promoted, not how I can make money. It's never for that. It's for the Lord. The other day I saw a, a commercial. I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, have you guys, instead of saying Happy New Year, they say Happy You Year. Have you guys seen that? Because it's all about you. Happy You Year. Dude, you're weird, man. It's not about me. It's not about what I can make. You know, Gazai apparently heard the commercial and thought it was time to cash in. And you know, what a contrast, huh, between him, because he was Elisha's assistant, and um, Elisha, who was Elijah's assistant. What a contrast, completely different. You know, he didn't like the fact that this leader, Elisha, he didn't like what he did, that, you know, he allowed the Syrian to live. I don't think he agreed with his leader, Elisha. We will see as we continue through Second Kings that the economy is not too strong. Times are especially tough for these guys in ministry. And again, you know, he disagrees with the decision of his leader, Elisha, not nationally, not financially. This is not good. And so Gehazi goes out, misrepresents God, ruins the witness, gets hundreds, some say 190 pounds of silver, and, uh, you know, changes of clothing. He even has a couple of his servants helping him deceive and receive. And then he goes back to the house and he thinks, I can hide this. You can't hide this. I can, I can hide it. No one will see. You can't hide it. God will see. And we got to know that. It's just in your heart. God will see. And we have to have that healthy fear. It's a heavy judgment when you think of the fact that Gehazi got leprosy and that it even clung to his descendants, because that's what sin does. It doesn't just affect me. It affects my kids. It will affect my grandchildren and the next generation. No one sins unto himself. Gehazi's greed got the best of him, and his lies led to leprosy. You know, and the same God that takes away that leprosy, that God that saves, is the same God who gives leprosy. He's the God who judges. And so we have a biblical understanding of who God is. And it's a really healthy, healthy balance. You know, if there's any unrepentant sinner here today, especially maybe even you call yourself a Christian, you know, um, I want to encourage you guys to know that the Lord is here, you know, to save you, man. That you would wash in the Jordan. How about you, when you want to wash in the Jordan seven times tonight, we will take you to Jesse and Maria's house and we will wash you in their swimming pools. It'll just be symbolic, you know, because baptism doesn't save you. But we'll do whatever it takes 
to, man, just be vessels of God giving you new life. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're, you're a Christian and you know, um, and you find yourself, you know, I need healing. I need to stop, you know, messing around. God, you're real. And so I'm going to start praying and reading my Bible, going to church. I'm not saying it's easy. But, you know, you just start walking with the Lord again and talking with him. And you, you watch what God does. You know, we got to get holy. we got to get right. The Bible says in Numbers 32, 23, that our sin will find us out. Hebrews 4, 13 says there's no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God sees everything. And maybe you're here tonight and you're like, well, I'm not really afraid of God. I don't fear God because I've done this 137 times. I did it 137 times. I'm sure I can do it again. Be careful. Who knows? You know, maybe that's what Gehazi thought. I don't know how many times he lied. He seemed pretty comfortable lying right there. Huh? There's an old song that says, because none of us knows when that judgment is going to be, right? There's an old song that says, There is a place I know not when, I know not where, that marks the destiny of men to heaven or despair. There's a line by us not seen that crosses every path that marks the boundary between God's mercy and God's wrath. If it's in my heart, I pray that I would take it out and give it to the Lord because you never know. Today might be the day where God says, listen, sorry, it's too late. And so, man, I pray that we would get right with the Lord. As I crossed that line, he became a leper so did Miriam in Numbers chapter 12 because she criticized her leader. And so did Uzziah in Second Chronicles chapter 26 who took his leadership too far. God will do that. One last thing before we close. I thought it was interesting how Gehazi was struck with leprosy. And notice right there at the end of our chapter, he went out from his presence as white as snow. I thought, well, wait a minute, where have I heard that before? Oh, in the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah talks about how if we come to the Lord and we reason with him and we say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I cast myself at your mercy, that he will make us and cleanse us and make us as white as snow. And so which white as snow would you like to be, man? The leprous one or the forgiven one? I pray that today we would wash in the Jordan seven times, so to speak, truly and totally turn from our sins and trust in Christ as our life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for allowing us, uh, Lord, to study your word and just to see what type of God you are. We want to be balanced. We want to be healthy Christians. We, we know your grace, uh, and at least I pray we would, know the way that you can cleanse us of leprosy, but we also know your holiness, Lord, how you, for the unrepentant sinner, will discipline. And so I pray, Father, today that we would have that balance and that you would do a new work in every heart. Please, Lord, heal us tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. I, uh, Shelly's not here, is she?
Okay. Um, oh, she is. She's in the mommy's room. There she is. I was going to tell you a story about Shelly, but now I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> on the way, on the way uh, over, I, I forgot where we were going. Yesterday we were going somewhere. And, um, you know, um, I tell you this is a prayer request. <laughs> no, um, you guys are cool. Uh, she was too, following too close to a car. She was going 43 miles per hour, and she was just following too close. And so I said to her, hey, sweetheart, you know, I try not to be a backseat driver, you know, but I said, sweetheart, for every 10 miles, you have to have a, I, mean, I think it's changed actually now, but you have to at least have a car length of distance in between you, right? And, uh, and, and, and so there's a lesson there, and, and that is this. That sometimes I think we, we think, well, this is how close I can get to, to whatever it is. And the Lord says, you know what? You know, back up. Keep your distance. Know that I'm holy. Keep your, you know, car distances the way that they should be. And I think that as we seek the Lord, man, with that heart, you watch. God's going to do a good work. I believe the Lord is doing a new work in the church. And, I, and if that's what he's doing in the church, then I think the Lord... He's been telling me, Manny, I'm doing a new work in your life. And I got to be open to that. And so let's be open. Let's ask the Lord, God, let it be new. Let it be fresh. Let it be powerful. Let it be you. I came in with leprosy. Lord, I don't want to leave with leprosy. I don't want to leave the same. Whatever the issues are, whatever your struggles are, just know that God is here. He's here to give us the power that he has for us. You know, only Jesus We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.